What's up, guys? Welcome back to Chef Talk. I am your host, Gary Sheffield Jr. Today, we actually have some pretty good topics considering the fact that baseball yet again crapped the sheets. We have no baseball. There's no, the lockout is still continuing. There's no hope in sight. But today, Twitter has given us quite a few things to talk about. So thank God for that. Um, we're talking about who to take sides with. I know everyone is pro player. It's very sexy to say I'm pro player and I hate the billionaires. But I'm here to tell people that the players have also, they also have some some blame to take here. And right now it's very anti-owner. And I want to make sure that people understand that my take isn't exactly one-sided. I, I believe both sides are to blame and I'll explain exactly how. And also Juan Soto, the news that he turned down a 13-year, just before the lockout, 13-year, $350 million deal, which... I'm here to tell everybody right now, the whole point of this is so that they can make us look at our salaries and say, how, how selfish is Juan Soto? Juan Soto can't play for $350 million. I thought it's supposed to be a kid's game. And again, this the whole idea is that the billionaires want to put out these contracts. They want to put out these numbers so that people can feel like Juan Soto or these other players like a Bryce Harper who also left Washington, like they're selfish. I'll explain exactly why they're not. I'll explain what Juan Soto should get and exactly the fact that he should want that. There's no reason that anyone wouldn't want extra dollars. So I'll talk about that. And then off topic with Matt Stafford, the whole Matt Stafford incident. No, he just won the Super Bowl. They had the ceremony um, that I guess they were celebrating the Super Bowl and a photographer fell down. I'll talk about the whole incident. Okay. And, and people were moaning and complaining that they would have done this. They would have everyone's a firefighter, right? Everyone's just the the best person, you know, on social media, yet they don't actually do anything. So I'll talk about all these things. Um, But we have to start with who to side with, with the lockout. And I know everyone here is very anti Rob Manfred, rightfully so he's a lawyer for the owners for the billionaires, you should be upset with him. Um, His job is to piss you off. His job is to toe the line as hard as he can, sometimes crossing it. That's everything is going to be beneficial to those owners. That's his job. But what I want people to realize is that the players are every bit to blame, just as much as the owners. And what's perhaps shocking about that for some people to hear is that the players haven't asked for anything in terms of negotiations for the last decade, they have been, they've tried to act like everything was, was good and dandy. Well, we're going to come back. They were soft. They were soft. They were soft. They were continuously soft. And now that we're here in the midst of a lockout, they're trying to ask for 25 different things to change. They want service time manipulation to change. They want arbitration to hit earlier. They want everything. They want to take a bigger cut of the money. They want all these different things. And it was Tony Clark, who is the president of the Players Association. It's his job, literally his job to death by a thousand. You can, you cut them here. You, you make an adjustment there. And suddenly you look back to shore and say, look at how many differences there are with Major League Baseball. Look at the impact that we had on this sport. The problem with baseball right now is the players are acting like everything is pro owner. And we need to change 30 different things. Well, the problem is the owners are not going to change all these different things. They're not going to do that. You didn't do a good enough job. You just didn't. 
And I know, I know some people have said that Tony Clark is part of the issue, but they haven't explained how this is how, if you're telling me that arbitration's an issue, service time's an issue, the designated hitters an issue, the minor leagues are an issue. If all these things are an issue, you left all these things unchecked in the last bar- in the last bargaining agreement. You left all these things untouched, and then you show back up and you want all these things to change, or you won't show up to the table. It's not how it works, and they know that. They know it, and they're sitting at home comfortable. And I know a lot of guys haven't made a lot of money in the game of baseball. They're not comfortable, but the people that you see, the Max Scherzers, the, a lot of the big names that you see, the Garrett Coles who speak out, they're comfortable. They are comfortable. They can just say, well, don't blame us. You blame, blame the big, the suits. That's who you need to blame. And don't get me wrong, not siding, not siding with the owners. I am more so on the player side, but I'm also acknowledging that it's easy to sit here and fight and strike and all this. When you just cashed a $40 million check last year, you've already made $250 million. How difficult is it to strike then? Not hard at all, is it? It's not. Yet we, we sit here and, and they just want to point the finger. The players have a role in this too. They just do. And I, if I don't, if I'm not forgetting, my dad, maybe 15 years ago, and, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong. He said that Latin players and their desperation, and I'm paraphrasing, their desperation is taken advantage of. And the media ran with it and said, well, it seems to me like he doesn't like Latin players and that Gary Sheffield is racist, right? That's what they said. That's what they wrote. Yet all the Latin players who know my dad know his character. And they actually come up to him and say, I understand what you were saying. And here's what he was saying. My dad was saying that their desperation to come out of adject poverty and come out of any situation around the world Venezuela, Puerto Rico. And if you're coming here to America, you will accept less. The line, the the least amount of money you'll play for will be significantly lower than an American player. It's the same stuff. And the issue is, is if a player is willing to play for pennies, that is hurting the chances of all players to be treated fairly. I hope that makes sense to people who are actually trying to understand, trying to listen, is that if you have people who will play essentially for free, you are going to have everybody getting screwed. It's not anyone, it's not anyone's fault, but the owners who are taking advantage of them. And it is also on the players association. It's also on the minor leagues to unionize and figure out a way to strike. They have to find a way to do that. And I know we want to watch baseball. Everyone wants to watch baseball. I love baseball. But at the same time, I have plenty of friends who are in the minor leagues and not one of them makes good money. If they didn't sign a a major signing bonus, which some of them did, they don't have money. And I know a lot of you guys see the, the blue check mark on Instagram and it seems like they're doing really well, that they have a they have a sponsorship here, a sponsorship there. They're not making good money and they'll tell you that. They have to be, we have to be more vigilant. We have to stand up for them and be more aggressive 
with what we can ask for and defending the rights of not just American players, but also Latin players. We have to do that. And they're being taken advantage of. The minor leagues was the worst. It was way worse than the big leagues. But then you get to the big leagues and people are agreeing to deals where the MVP, literally the best player in baseball, can be a rookie making 500K. He can continue to make that amount of money for two or three seasons until he reaches arbitration. The entire system to make it to free agency was as pro-owner as it possibly could be. And the owners, very sneakily, they wanted contracts to get out there. They never tell you what we're paying a player this year. What do they tell you? They say, the contract that we offered is this amount of years for, they tell you the lump sum of money that's being spent. And you hear the number 350 million and you say, that's a lot of money. And you're right. It is. It's a lot of money. But the whole reason it's being told to you is so that you'll turn against the players. When logic tells you everyone asks for every penny they can get, we all do it. And people say, well, when is, what, what is too much money? And the answer is there's no such thing as too much money. Doesn't exist. And if you don't believe me, I'll explain it. Simple as I can. If you make $50,000, everyone who's ever made 50K says, if I could only make 75, imagine the difference in my lifestyle, the, the difference in the stress that I could take off my shoulders. Your expenses might change a little bit, but you can't wait to make 75,000. The second you start making $75,000, what do you say? I'm this close to six figures. How do I get to that point? How do I do that? And the people who are making $100,000 always believe they're worth 200. They always do. Don't you? The listener here today, whatever you're making, you believe that you're worth at least somewhat more than what you're being paid. You're never, you're never making quite enough. Well, that, never, that itch never goes away. No matter how much you make, no matter how much money clears in your checking account, it will always be there, that feeling. Always. Literally have these conversations. I've had these conversations in person with my own dad. And we have conversations about, about okay, well, we're making this this year and, and this is endorsements. And his goals periodically changed. His, his goals at one point were to put food on his own table to be able to support himself. Suddenly, that became easy to do. Now his goals change. And that's what greatness does. They continue. And, and a lot of us do that. We continue to try to build on our goals. We change them. And Juan Soto knows in this situation and a lot of other players in baseball, however much money I can ask for, I'm going to ask for it. It it maintains the integrity of the sport, no matter what. Taking a discount doesn't help anybody but the owner of that team. Nobody else. Helps no one. I know you think it might help the fans. It doesn't. And, and, I, and I heard on Twitter this week, well, what happens if Juan Soto, which rumors are to say that he's going to ask for a $500 million contract. And someone told me, well, can the Yankees really afford that? And I said, yes, it's that simple. Plenty teams can afford Juan Soto. And this is what I was told. What would happen to concession stands? Wouldn't the hot dogs be 30 bucks. Wouldn't all the prices go up? Hey, and, and this is my, this is my simple answer. 
didn't hot dog prices go up anyways? Did you do you remember the Yankees payroll going up over the past 10 years and then hot dogs trickling down? Or did the hot dogs come first? Did, were we standing in line to see Aaron Hicks in center, Brett Gardner in left? We didn't get Manny Machado at third, right? The, the Carlos Correa is not at shortstop yet. Jose Altuve is not at second base. There's not an all-star team around. Yet we're still still spending all-star pretzel prices, aren't we? Don't worry about what Juan Soto is making. And this is the point that I want, I want people to understand is that what these players make, the players' cuts are not going to impact you. They don't. And it's the owner's job to convince you that they are going to. If we spend that amount of money, we have to spend less amount of money this, this direction. We only have this much money to allocate, to, to sprinkle to this part of the roster. They make enough money to where they can decide that's not the decision they're going to make. If the Yankees want to absorb an Aaron Judge and bring a Juan Soto aboard, they don't have to touch the ticket prices. They don't have to touch the corporate prices, the, the skybox. They don't have to do any of that. They choose to do that. And you have half of Twitter talking about how much is too much. Don't worry about what Juan Soto is making. The reason that I or you don't make $500 million is because we don't do a job that literally only one person in the world can replace. And that's what you're seeing from Juan Soto. Juan Soto is this generation's Miguel Cabrera, the Barry Bonds. He is that type of talent. He's a future Hall of Famer. First ballot. Going to hit 500, 600 home runs. That's the type of player he is. And if you want to talk about what a player's worth, how about this? Let's all stop trying to dictate what each player's worth and start to look at how much can that guy ask for? Can he ask for 500 million? Will he get it? The answer is yes. That's about 45 million a year over the asking price of the asking of 12 to 13 years. That's 45 million. You mean to tell me that the New York Mets are going to pay Max Scherzer 43 million without even blinking? Steve Cohen threw 43 million a year at Max Scherzer. That's an aging aging starting pitcher. But you won't do it for prime Juan Soto for the next decade, really? Of course they will. And yet we still have people sitting there trying to type away and and try to figure out how is Juan Soto not worth 500 million? How is he not trying to push 600? How is he not worth that amount of money? We're trying to figure that out. We're, We're being fooled. You guys are being duped. You guys are being duped. Because people will sit here and say, no player is worth 500 million. Have you done the type of research to see how much money a Derek Jeter, a Miguel Cabrera made Detroit in New York, how much money they're making, how much money they bring in in jersey sales? Are people aware of these numbers? They're not. And I'm telling you right now, you don't even need to look them up. Let's just stop worrying about what people are making with being paid, by the way, with money that of people we don't really care about. Hal Steinbrenner could pay $400 million next year on the payroll, and it is no impact on us. Nothing. Right out of his checkbook. George Steinbrenner was spending $250 million in 2004. Did anything change for you? Nope. It didn't. Nothing changed at all. And people will say, well, the ticket prices change, and this, this change. 
Ticket prices change when you watch the best team in baseball. But when you see a team who's who's consistently going out and getting beat by the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox, who have won four World Series in the past 15 years, essentially being dominated. If the prices are changing, don't tell me it's because of the product. It's not. It's not because of the payroll, the product on the field. It's not because of the players or that it's just a, a, a product that we can't wait to go see. It's not. It's not. People might rush to the field to go watch Aaron Judge hit. But the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees aren't the best team in baseball. Are they close? Not really. Not yet. They have plenty holes to fix. They're not worth the, the ticket prices we see, the, the pretzels that we, that we spend, the hot dogs. They're not worth that. Not yet. And yet people worry about, well, what's Aaron Judge going to get? What, what are these guys going to get? They can make that money and the prices can stay the same. They can choose it to be so. And yet we, continue, we just choose to be fooled. We don't ask any questions. We don't, we don't question anybody. We watch the same Yankees podcast and they're going to funnel in corporate garbage. That's what it is. They protect the suits. It's their job. They'll never say that, but that's what they're doing. Oh, I don't know. We might have to ask Aaron Judge to take a discount. A discount? So discounts. Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is the most popular baseball player in the world. He's like the one player who can walk into a, a Chili's and everyone would notice him. Everybody. He's the most noticeable athlete, arguably, in the sport. He's way more marketable than a Mike Trout. Mike Trout just made $426 million over 12 years. And Aaron Judge is going to take a discount. Stop worrying about what Aaron Judge is making. Aaron Judge should ask for every penny, every penny. And he should still be able to ask for every penny and insist that the Yankees pay it. Instead of making the Yankees get into this bidding war. No, the Yankees need to take ownership of the situation and handle it. It's the same thing in Washington. If you don't want to pay 500 million, tough luck. Someone else will. The Dodgers will. Won't they? Because everyone said that Mookie Betts was selfish, right? Selfish. They traded him to LA, sent him back into LA. Is he still selfish? Nope. A team who actually understands the value of a Mookie Betts went out and spent it like it was no problem. Didn't worry about how much money they were spending. Didn't care. They were worried about winning. Now Mookie Betts is looked at as a culture changer, a winner, someone that can get a team over the hump. And people are in my mentions talking about $500 million. How much money does he need? Does Juan Soto's electric bill have any impact on you? How easily he can pay his bills, how many cars he's got? Did you have, How many times did you think about what, what Jason Bay was driving this weekend? Because he's still rich. How much, how much time did you spend on that? None, did you? Till just now, you probably forgot about the guy. Were you worried about what the Boston Red Sox owner, what he, the, the check that he was forking over? You weren't, were you? That's why you should never worry. You should always be rooting for players to make as much money as possible. The same way I root for everybody in this chat, anyone who ever watches the show, make as much money as possible. Always. Because your boss, some of us have had good bosses. For the most part, your boss doesn't care about you the same way that you think they care about you. They don't. They don't align. Because they don't pay you for charity. They don't pay you what they want to. They pay you what they have to. 
always what they have to. If they don't have to pay you an extra dime, they don't. If they can replace you, they will. It's all these jobs. Juan Soto is no exception. Aaron Judge is no exception. The Yankees, have, they've already, the Yankees and the Nationals, they did it with Bryce Harper. They're always looking at, well, okay, if we can't get this guy, how do we replace him? They're doing that with the arguably the best player that they had in their organization the past decade, the past 25 years. You don't think they're doing it to any other player in the big leagues? All these other organizations aren't doing the same thing? Of course they are. They just are. Twitter is, has become a, a avenue where people are focused on other people's pockets and how exactly, how deserving is that person of that payday? That's the whole purpose of why they went mainstream with these contracts. They tried to say it was for the excitement of the sport. No, it was to drive players' salaries down. It's to control them. Because if this was all behind closed doors, the players wouldn't feel any pressure to take less money. None. They would ask the owners behind closed doors and they would get it. So I'm here to tell you right now, Juan Soto, in my, from my perspective, he's looking at a contract from 12 to 13 years at age 26 in the off season of 2024 to get him all the way to his age 39 season, 39 to 40. He's going to be making about $45 million a year. That shakes out to about $550 million. Sounds like just an, a stupid amount of money. But you know what also sounded stupid? When, when Gary Sheffield signed a $100 million deal. Remember that? No one's worth $100 million. And people forget that my father wasn't able to stay in LA, which he tried to do, because the money, they said no player is worth $10 million. No player is worth $12 million a year. Nobody. How does that contract look now? Now Ronald Acuna is signing for $13 million. Everyone's calling him stupid. I don't think he's stupid. But now you see that it's all relative. Once you break that barrier, now $100 million looks like nothing. It looks like a deal, doesn't it? $200 million. $200 million doesn't frighten us anymore, does it? When you see a $200 million deal, do you, is it breathtaking? It isn't for me. Now it's 300 million. You have to see 300 million to feel like, oh, that's a mega deal. Suddenly it'll be 400 and it's about to be five. And players are going to start trickling into that avenue because they're, they're learning as this time goes on, I'm worth more and more and more. They're, they're understanding this. Scott Boris, they're all learning it. How in different ways, how they can make revenue. And they're doing a great job. He is going to eclipse 500 million, most likely. All the power to him. Ask for every penny, Juan. Every penny. And if any Washington Nationals fan is upset that the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and any other team in Major League Baseball is going to come calling with an asking price, with an offer over $475 million and that upsets you, blame your own owner. Don't blame someone else who's willing to spend because that's actually what that talent's worth. That's what the best a top two bat in Major League Baseball, if not the best bat. While he's young, that's what they're worth. Yep. So guys, stop focusing on what people are making. Don't worry about it. Worry about making as much money as you can and doing what you love. These players are playing a game that they love and they're trying to make as much money as humanly possible so they have as much financial freedom for themselves and for their family. 
simple. So simple. And people are just so draped in other people's business. We saw it with the NFL. And I, and I said today, we were going to talk about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was celebrating a Super Bowl victory as he should be. And a photographer, and correct me if I'm wrong, fell off the stage. And I believe she broke her back. She, she broke something in her back. And in the video, Matthew Stafford, who is clearly intoxicated, just as any other player in any sport who celebrates a championship, you are drinking before this event. So this girl falls down and Matthew Stafford, instead of running over there, he turned around and he told his wife, hey, can you go over there and check it out? His wife went over there and they found out she was much more hurt than they thought. And like I said, broken bone in her back. And here's what Twitter did. Twitter didn't just ignore it and mind their own business because as you guys know, that's not what people do anymore. They never mind their own business, do they? Nope. They immediately made judgments about what Matthew Stafford should have done, what they would have done. And it's so ironic that everyone on Twitter is just, they're just all such great people. Everyone's such a great person on Twitter, aren't they? You ask them what their accomplishments are. They can't name them. You ask them what they've done for society, for the community. They can't tell you. They can't tell you. They tell you to mind your own business, right? But when you work a job for millions of dollars and your job is just to entertain them on a football field, they suddenly hold you to this moral code. Everyone's a shepherd for society. Everyone's trying to figure out what what would I have done if I was in that person's situation? How much money would I have asked for? How much money would I, how much discount would I have taken if I was in his situation? Everyone's so worried about what other people are doing. And this is my takeaway. Matthew Stafford, even though he had, he did not have to at all. He didn't have to pay. He ended up paying for all of her medical expenses for the surgery that's, that's coming up. Essentially all you can ask for. Was that enough for Twitter? You guessed it. It wasn't, was it? No, because Twitter doesn't give Twitter and, and, and Instagram and, and people on social media, the general public isn't looking. They're not looking for you to fix a situation. That's not really what they're trying to do. They just want to know, do they have power? If they have emotions, will you listen to it? Will you adapt to them? And that's what society has become. It's a bunch of people who really want power. If they have an emotion, they want to know they're heard. That's all people want. They want to know that if Matthew Stafford's actions really bothered them, that someone is going to address that. Someone's going to speak to you and say, you know what? You're right. And I apologize. People just want you to bow down, succumb power to strangers on the internet with no accomplishments whatsoever, not trying to do anything good, not donating, not starting a GoFundMe for the woman that fell down, doing nothing. They've got 14 Twitter followers and they're talking with no accomplishments, no efforts to society. And they're talking about what Matthew Stafford should be doing. And he just spent tens of thousands of dollars for a surgery of a stranger. Didn't have to, but it's still not enough. Twitter has become a cesspool. Social media is a cesspool. And people tell you all the time, well, stop using it, bro. Stop using it, bro. Do you not understand that people have business reasons to be using Twitter? I have business reasons to be using Twitter. That's why we're here. There's plenty 
positive information on Twitter. The problem is the most loud and angry dominate the conversation in Twitter. That's sad. They shouldn't. They should have no weight whatsoever. Matthew Stafford shouldn't have to worry about what, what any public statement that he can give. He shouldn't have to worry about that because these people don't matter. And yet today I went to bat for him anyway. I defended Matthew Stafford. And what do they do? If you try to defend anybody, what do they do? They come after you. Well, what are you doing? And the answer is quite simple. I'm always doing more than the people who are criticizing. And that's why I've tried to become more hesitant of the people I criticize and more understanding. That's what I try to do. And understanding, people are not trying to understand anybody anymore. When was the last time you had a healthy debate with someone on social media? It was designed for us to have healthy debate. Remember Facebook when it first came out? Facebook was designed and we were having debates and suddenly politics overtook Facebook and it became angry, didn't it? Then Twitter came about and that's when First Take and ESPN, they really got those debate shows going. And now everything is negative because negative stuff clicks. Matthew Stafford looking at a girl and, and not helping her while he's drunk and making the headline that he's this, he doesn't care about anybody other than himself and pulling him down from that pedestal after just winning a Super Bowl. That's what we can do. We'll talk about the negative because that will click. But a speech of him, him walking on the stage, that's not going to click, will it? But that's what, that's what we do. That's social media. It's really sad. And I hope that changes. I hope at some point people start to migrate from this media, this, this climate of negativity, and we push it more positive. Negative stuff on social media will always be there. There's always going to be people criticizing those that are doing far more than they're doing. People are literally going to be on their couch talking about someone's a bum. It's always going to be there. But it is far too many people than it needs to be right now. Far too many. And I've done it in my past, but I'm trying to learn from it. And I hope people, other people can learn from this. Because there's people who haven't donated $1, not one, to society, to the community, a Boys and Girls Club, nothing. And they're criticizing a dude who just spent $15,000 on a stranger. Didn't have to do jack. Didn't have to do anything. He could have just ignored it. So props to Matthew Stafford. Props. And I appreciate him doing what he has to do because he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't. And people, a lot of times, these celebrities feel like they, they have to donate to society because they did something wrong. And they're on their heels and they want people to get off my jock and I'll, I'll take care of it. That's what, that's what happens. And I'm not here to say that Matthew Stafford paid for the surgery to shut people up. You never know what the intentions are. You don't. But it's really sad that there's any pressure on the guy whatsoever. There should be none. It's quite simple. And people are going to come after me. They surely, they're going to listen to the show and say, well, what are you doing? And my answer is simple. I'll look straight in your face. I'm doing more than what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. It's that simple. And that is why I'm not criticizing anybody. I criticize people that are criticizing. It's annoying. Stop criticizing people that you can't replace. Don't do that. It doesn't make sense. If we're talking about criticizing an athlete, he should have played better. That's all good and fun. That's sports. This is real life. This is a woman just broke her back. 
We're talking about real life stuff. People don't, they don't get it. They don't. They think Matthew Stafford's a bad person because he watched a woman fall and then paid for her surgery. Still a bad person. I don't get it. Weirdos. It's mental illness. And this is why mental illness is growing further and further in society. Yet more people are heard. More people have a voice. It's not working. So I hope you guys take something from my ramblings. Um, I want things to change. Um, I want people to be more focused on themselves. If you can help others, great. But be more focused on yourself. What you can do to make society better. You don't have to announce it. You don't have to demand other people be better, be better for society. No, no. You do it and I'll do my best to do it. That's all you can do. Instead of tweeting away and then walking away from Twitter and making people deal with it. The pressures uh, of, of doing more. They don't, they shouldn't have to. I'm here to say that right now. So I'm full in full support of Matthew Stafford. I appreciate what he did in full support of Juan Soto making as much money as humanly possible and everyone else minding their business and full support of that. The players are also to blame for what's going on in the lockout. So if anybody has any questions of what's happened, what I believe, send them here, please. And if anyone can subscribe to this channel so we can help grow the channel, because you guys all know NYY News TV is not just my show. There's six or seven other shows. We're all growing on the same thing. Please hit the bell. You guys will get notifications on all the shows. I appreciate you guys so much. And I'll see you guys next Friday. Before it hits the